0: Hello, and you are very welcome to the Game Pit Podcast. My name is Ronan, and thank you for keeping us in your feed. A long hiatus. Life has very much got in the way of us making any podcast in the last couple of months. If you've been listening for a while, you'll know that we both started new jobs this year. Both been crazy, crazy busy. Not only no time to record and edit a podcast, but no time to play games, really, for a couple of months. But this was almost all. Almost the first year since 2009 that we didn't bring you any pre essing content. Sean is over in Germany right now. He's there, he's getting games, he's on it. I haven't been able to go because I've got work commitments, which is what's stopping me from doing everything apparently this year. But what I have got for you before Essen <laughs> actually well, it's just started, before it's over is our each of us top 15 most anticipated games now usually we do treasure hunts everyone gets excited september and october are our busiest months for downloads and we're sorry we'd love to have done that we just haven't had the time to do the sort of hours and hours of research it takes to go into that so my apologies my apologies for lack of content my apologies for lack of treasure hunt this is what we could do if you're heading to essen you're at essen you're just keeping an eye on games we're just going to give you an idea of the games that have caught our eye now we haven't done the level of research as i said we usually do so these could be off the smallest of things that made us catch and say okay maybe i want to have a look at that because sean's going and i'm not this is coming from two different perspectives sean is looking at the games he actually wants to buy while he's there so that's his top 15 for me it was just slightly different because Sean amongst them there are a couple of other people who very kindly have offered to bring a game or two back for me and so I was thinking the games that I won't be able to get from the shops here I'll mention that if it comes up is it certain publishing houses or do I think there'll be a few of them or they might be trickier to get hold of? They were more likely to be on my list and higher up so that the very lovely people who are in essence doing me huge favours and grabbing me games, they might get me something I couldn't get otherwise. So that's kind of the preamble going into this. I'm going to run through these. I've got 30 games to get through. You're not going to get much in each game, but hopefully this might trigger a few ideas for you or something for you to get as excited about as we are because we're still... Super excited about gaming, new games, doing the podcast as and when we can. Let's kick off with my number fifteen. Only, let's not. This doesn't happen very often in our list. I think there's three crossovers, but it happens a lot at the beginning. So my number fifteen is going to show up later on Sean's list. Sean's number fifteen is Sunrise Lane from Ryan Kanitsia and Horrible Guild. This is a reimplementation of Rondo, which was an abstract game about placing different colours of counters down onto a grid and different spaces would have different number values. Now they've taken that idea, they've put a theme on it of a neighbourhood and trying to get your houses into the highest value plots of land, but they've added in the fact that you're not playing different colours of counters, all your houses are the same colour and it's cards that you're collecting which will allow you to go into certain spaces, but again certain spaces will score you more points. And it's a bit ticket to ridey i think in that you're collecting certain colors and then you're laying them down and putting your houses down and also that when one player is down to a couple of houses death that's when the end of the game is going to be triggered so they've taken the idea of rondo which was an okay uh, received abstract game put a theme on it made it look much nicer tweaked it a bit and so sunrise lane has got sean excited for some spatial abstract placement which doesn't sound like him but he's telling me he likes it (laughs) okay My number 14 will show up later on Sean's list, Sean's number 14 will show up later on my list, so we're going to move straight through to my number 13, and it is, I think, the only expansion on the lists, and it is for Revive, and it's called Call of the Abyss. From a Porter games, the more I play Revive, the more it grows on me. And it kind of teetered along that year, I think, of being too combo-tastic and too complicated and a million different things trigger of every turn, but didn't quite grow over that line. And I'm enjoying it a lot. Therefore, Call of the Abyss caught my eye. It brings in four more tribes. Each of the tribes has got a couple of unique actions to themselves When you're, uh, when you're playing with them. It's got more of the standard tokens and machine tokens and cards and stuff. The main thing it brings in is some kind of alien race that lives in the lakes on the board. The skiffers, I'm going to call them. When you build adjacent to lakes, you can sort of worship them and get these devotion points. Also, a new switch action is that you can send some of your workers on journeys and you can get more devotion points like that. I don't know exactly how that all works, it's just one more mechanism added in with some more variety for Revive, which was a strong Euro game from last year, so I was excited to have a look at Call of the Abyss. For Sean, his number 13 is The Fox Experiment from Elizabeth Hargrave and Jeff Fraser and Pandasaurus fox experiment it's about an experimentation in domesticating wild foxes and what they would do is they would take the friendliest of the foxes and that's exactly what you're doing as players and you would breed them together and then in real life what happened was they started getting sort of things that we would associate with cuteness like spots and curly tails and floppy ears and stuff and they weren't bred on their physical characteristics they were bred on what was perceived to be friendliness but this came through in there physical characteristics hence it being a very famous experiment and it didn't take many generations for this to start happening so it shows i guess the adaptation happens quicker than possibly we thought anyway within the game itself what you're doing is you're going to be drafting parents to breed together and they will give you certain dice depending upon the traits of the parents you'll roll them those traits will come out in the next generation and you've got five rounds in order to fulfill personal vp that you're trying to do and also shared patron vp that are giving all of you this overall thing for this experiment this is what we want i thought that well, was quite cute sean does too he's excited to try it i'm excited to try it too i just think it's kind of maybe more widely available hence that difference in sort of perspectives on our two lists but i'm also excited to try the fox experiment sean's number 13 number 12 for me I know almost nothing about, but that's fine. That's part of what Esther's about. It's called Nunatak. What I do know is it's from Cosmos, so an established publisher, and Kane, Klenko, and Kane designed Fuse, and Flatline, and Flip Ships, and many other games. And while not all his games have been massive hits for me, he always has a different perspective. So that's going to catch my eye. The artist is Quanche Moria, and this game looks absolutely stunning in that you're trying to build a pyramid up in which the blocks are translucent plastic of different colours. They're supposed to represent it's like glaciers around a mountain. I think a Nunatak is a mountain completely surrounded by ice. And once you've built sections of four of them together, a bit of card will go on top and you actually layer it up. So you build a three T structure I love the theme. It's something to do with drafting multi-use cards and some kind of area control. There's no rules available that I could find. However, Nunatak just caught my eye for designer and look and theme. So I'm excited to try it when I get a chance. Sean's number 12 is caught a lot of buzz and it's Horror from Czech Games Edition from Andre Bustron, Peta Kaslava and Pavel Yaroche. It is themed around this city of silver in which players are going to have hands of double-sided cards they're going to be playing them and they're going to decide whether to be gathering resources building up buildings for their own guild and for their own power adding into the cathedral within the city the city of silver making money but i think the whole key or usp to Hora is that the economy within the game is completely player driven so the actions each of the players take is going to drive the prices of various things land and silver and whatever up and down and you're going to have to react to that and also of course you're going to drive it in a way that suits you and not your opponents now how interactive and swingy that is obviously the proof of the pudding is going to be in the eating but certainly Kunahura has got a lot of people excited including Sean and it's his number 12 my number 11 was Sean's number 14, and it's Rats of oh, Vistar Vista, from Cranio Creations, designed by Simone Luciani, who appears to have designed a million games assassin, and Demillo Sabia. In Rats of Wistar, you were rats that are in an experiment. Now, I don't know the backstory of this, but apparently there's a famous experimental area called Wistar, which isn't very pleasant, but anyway. Well, you were an escaped rat, and it's actually quite cutesy the artwork and story and stuff and you've got out into this farm and you're going to explore you're going to be looking to you make a little hideout under a tree in the forest you're going to get tools and food you're going to meet other rats and mice you're going to develop the rooms within your lair so you can take in more rats and mice that escape to help look after them you're going to be able to do inventions to make your life easier and all the way through it's got this euro mechanisms going on where you're developing your own board but with this story theme to it so there's story cards with artwork these little stories you meet this or that the dangerous goose or the farmer's wife or you get into the pantry and each of those stories has got a little euro driven choices for you well, what resources do you want to take but overall it looks lovely it's not a straight up strategy game it's not just my input determines my output there's randomness in there you're playing a story i think you have to get into the idea of i can get knocked around a little bit by the game here but i think sort of the artwork is trying to help you accept that so, an interesting premise, and one that I would love to try, so my 11 is Rats of Wistar, and it was Sean's number 14, and his 11 was my number 15, and it's from the Moon. The publisher is La Boite du Jeu, it's from Johannes Guppy, who was one of the designers of Orochalcum, which came out last lesson, I enjoyed it a lot, and Gilles Lasfag. There's three missions, we're on the Moon, Earth's Moon, Luna, and the three missions. One's going to Europa, one's going to Titan, and one's going to Mars. And each of us is our own faction. And we're going to be looking to improve our own base on the moon. We're going to be using different types of workers. We're going to be researching. We're going to be sending a rover out to gather resources, then bringing it back in again. And that's when we actually... Get the resources, and we can contribute them to the three missions. There are achievement cards which vary from game to game, we're trying to get to, and we're going to score points by doing those achievements and contributing to those three missions. And it's a euro in which you're competing for both resources and space, and to be the first to trigger and build up certain things. And each of these missions, once the spaceship, for example, that's going to Europa is completed, it will launch. You can't do anything more to it, and that's when you'll score points. When all three have launched, the game will end, and the most victory points will be the winner from the moon sean's number 11 my number 15 for essen this year my number 10 is called sidequest nemesis now sidequest is a new sort of set of games and nemesis indicates that it's from board and dice and it means it's in the nemesis universe so the game nemesis nemesis lockdown and what have you the designers are Jakub Kaban, Bartosz itzikowski and this is based on the escape tale system now escape tales were like escape room games I've talked about at least two of the three. They try to twist things up a bit, make things a bit darker, and maybe some more adult themes and stories to them. And now with that system, they've linked into these other publishers to make these kind of escape room puzzly games within their universes they've created. In this one, SideQuest Nemesis, I think there's another side quest game out at this SM, but this one is you are a rescue mission and you've been sent to salvage the ship from Nemesis you know in Nemesis you wake up as crew and there's pretty much aliens from Alien uh, on the ship and you're trying to avoid the darkness and not make too much noise and you've got personal goals and they could be against other players or with them but in effect it's the world is alien this is an escape room game where you're going into this big ship that's been abandoned but still has aliens on it and you have to avoid the darkness avoid the aliens but also solve the puzzles and get out within time so that's intrigued me. So SideQuest Nemesis is my number 10. For Sean, his number 10 is Amritsar, the Golden Temple from David, Haras, Pino and Ludanova, who brought out Sabika last year which was about adding to Alhambra in Spain and this one seems at least superficially very similar in that you're adding to the Sri Harmandir Sahib, the Golden Temple, or very important Sikh temple in India. It's not exactly the same, but the mechanisms do seem quite similar, although it's a different designer. There's still a Mancala thing in there. You've got different types of workers. You're going to use those workers around the Mancala in order to gather certain resources, which can allow you to advance on tracks or contribute to the building. Visually reminiscent of Sabika, the man style of thing is not quite the same but but similar i feel that possibly they, they might be trying to start a line here which is fine by me because speaker was a fantastic game and i would like to try amritsa as well and that was sean's number 10 my number nine is another one we know almost nothing about and it's called Carvey. the designer is tour tiong for some but the publisher is hans im gluck now there's two reasons why that is important to me in that Hands-in-glut games sometimes are more difficult to get after Essen for a while. And also, I have faith that they publish good games, so that caught my eye. What do I know about Carvey? Not a lot. It's a Viking-themed game. It's dice worker placement. You're going to be developing resources via either plundering or trade. You have to make sure you have enough provisions when you send out on a trade route or a plunder route. It looks lovely. Sometimes I like to take a punt. So, Carvey caught my eye and it's one that again is one of those weird things about this list it's one that i would want to get if i was in this just because i think i wouldn't be able to get it later on although obviously if i could give it a go first that would be nice not always possible and it sounds already like Essen this pretty mad busy again this year as expected sean's number nine is apiary from connie vogelman and Stonemeyer games we're bees in space technologically advanced bees and this is played out over the course of one year in which we're going to be sending out bee workers around the board to do various actions and at the end of it we're all going to have to hibernate There are 20 factions available in Apiary. Each has a unique slant on the powers within the game. And on your turn, you're either going to be placing out workers onto these various spots or you're going to retrieve workers as your action. Although workers can get bumped out by other players or yourself taking actions, one of the interesting things is that the workers have got different levels of power to them. And when they get bumped, you can either just take them back, remaining on the powers 1 to 4 that they're on, and there's very cool... Physical component of a bee that turns around and goes one, two, three, or four, it still looks like a bee anyway, or you can upgrade them and bring them back but once you get to level four and you use them they're going to have to hibernate so you have fewer workers available to you so it's about balancing your worker pool it's about exploring gathering resources researching cards which you can use in various ways and then what you're trying to do is like do carvings to show that you've been there your civilization your bee civilization your bee civilization. no that's bad uh did something and it looks lovely. It's Quancho Moria again. It's Stonewire games. You know it's going to be polished. It's Sean's number nine, so I won't mention that they've had issues with games with factions previously and maybe had to tweak them every time they do it. But that's cool. It's Sean's number nine, Apiary from Stoneware. My number eight is another game inspired by a previous game, and in this case it's Pirates of Maracaibo, inspired by Maracaibo. Designers are Ralph Beanett, Ryan Hendrickson and Alexander Fister. It's from DLP Games, and DLP is one of the booths I always have a look at at Essen Euro games. They tend to do have lines where they run through certain things like Orion and what have you, but always it's worth looking. It's always mega busy at that booth as well. It feels like sort of a smaller company, and Essen is their big thing for the year. In Pirates Maracaibo, you are pirates. It is a modular setup with cards of different types of residences and locations, and there are treasure islands laid out there. And on each of your turns, you're going to move right a certain number of columns. And when you get through all the columns, you get to the intermaracaibo, you have a bunch of actions to do, and then you start again. And once we've been through three times getting across the board, well, it's not really a board, but the setup to Maracaibo that's going to be the end and most points are going to win the game you're going to be looking to upgrade your pirate ship you're going to be building residences you're going to be exploring the three treasure islands in terms of it to Maracaibo Maracaibo was a campaign game which was circular you went around the board now the locations changed as you were playing but they were set and this is going to be much more of a slightly different experience each time you play It's a big deck of cars you're only using some of them there's going to be different routes you can go down I guess lots of euros you're going to try and avoid what other people are doing and score points your own way i quite enjoyed maracaibo i know there were steaming issues again but i quite enjoyed the gameplay itself but i thought this take on it to make it more varied but more accessible could be something that would possibly hit more into my sweet spot and that's why parts maracaibo is my number eight most anticipated for essen sean's number eight is called footprints from Chilly Fox Games, designed by Ilya Svensson, Asmund Svensson, and Gear Andre Valquist. This is a game about moving across a modular board using different cards to move through the different terrains. Each of the tribes has got its own unique starting deck, and with each card that you play, you can either move on to another terrain or you can upgrade what you're doing. Now, sounds a bit like Quest for Eldorado so far, but although there are points available for reaching the end of the board, they may not be the majority of your points because what you need to do, you're all going to die out at the end of this. You're, you're not going to survive. But whoever has made the most impression on the world and has left paintings and carvings and whatever it might be to show that they've been there, a little bit, I guess, like apiary. I didn't quite get as much of that of Apri from my quick look at it. But anyway, in the footprints, it's who's left the biggest cultural footprint on the world on their journey is probably going to score the most points, so an interesting take there. A race game because you are racing to race into spots where you want to be able to put down your paintings and stuff, and there is points for getting to the end. But it's not all about the race. Some of it's about also maximising opportunities as you go. So that does sound interesting. And my first glance, I hadn't paid enough attention to it. Sean putting it is number eight here made me look back at it, and he got me quite excited about it. So one that I am going to keep an eye on. Footprints. My number seven is. Planter Nubo. It's from Michael Keller, Odie, and Uwe Rosenberg, and I think it's the first game from their their own company that they've made. Odie has anyway, the game builders. It's about working with trees and and greenery to to rebuild the planet ecologically and produce the most oxygen and in effect what you're doing is you're doing tile placement to create your own treetop which is going to allow you to produce oxygen and then you're going to send the oxygen the things that you produce to produce this renewable energy it's very much sort of a, a fantastical world there's like bee-like zeppelins that come along and you're building these huge things on top of massive trees. It doesn't really exist. But this is the idea that you're trying to work in harmony with nature and what have you. You're going to draft contracts and fulfil them in order to score the most points. There's lots of euro going on. It's like two and a half hours long. There's plenty to it. But really, why is it on here? Because of the designers. Michael Keller, there and Uwe Rosenberg doing a two and a half hour euro. That looks nice and they have got enough faith in it that they started their own company with it. Yes, please. I'm in. I should like some. Thank you very much much sean decided to see my two and a half hours and up it with a very deep economic euro at his number seven it's by johannes rolle and it's from Rockell games and it's called elderman this is about attempting to be the top merchant in lubeck which is a hanseatic league city and i think it was the home of thomas mann I don't know. Anyway, what you're trying to do is make money by trading around the Hanseatic League, around the Baltic Sea and what have you, and you're trying to score points. And the way you're going to do that, what your economy is going to drive, because, yeah, you can make the most money, that's not going to win you the game. You're going to look to get sort of political influence in the different areas of the Hanseatic League around the sea. You're going to be looking to build up your own infrastructure in Lübeck, but also build um, public buildings there as well. And be looking to create routes for luxury goods to come in to boost up your reputation to become sort of the top, the Elderman, the top merchant within Lubeck and be the star. And that's the idea. And it's over three hours of heavy economic euro. If that's your thing, Elderman is one to keep an eye on. I'm going to go in a slightly opposite direction now. Very opposite direction for my number six. And this one is called Nekojima. It's from David Carmona and Karen Nguyen. It's set on Nekojima which is the island of cats in Japan. The one that's got loads and loads of cats all over it. People go and visit it. You may have heard of it. And this is a dexterity game which can be played competitively or cooperatively. You've got electricity poles that you're trying to add to the island to build infrastructure and they've got cables hanging off them and in effect these are little wooden poles with strings hanging off them and you're trying to create and build up and create this tower of poles with the cables hanging down with cats hanging off the poles and the cables and you're trying not to be the person to get it wrong where cables can't touch each other and you can't knock it over and you have to be careful why i would particularly be interested in this dexterity game over all the other dexterity games that are coming out this year is that it has won several prizes where it's been shown at different game conventions around the world and also from the few reviews that have come in from like normal people don't worry about not reviews from influencers but actual normal gamers people are absolutely loving the game and that's been enough for me for it to be that looks interesting that looks fun the theme the crack yeah i mean nekojima a funny dexterity game hopefully is my number six sean's number six was my number 14 and this one is the veil of eternity from eric kong mandu games in the Vale of Eternity, each of the players are monster tamers and we're competing to tame the best monsters and hopefully dragons at the end of it. And the way you're going to do that is you're going to be drafting cards from the table. And with those cards, you're either going to be able to tame them because they are all monsters or use their powers in order to tame more and more powerful monsters. You Also, every time you tame a monster, it's going to give you some sort of an advantage or a boost. There are 70 different monsters in the game. The artwork is lovely. I love a drafting game. z garcia and the dice tower reviewed it and absolutely loved it and i think that this could be a nice relaxing but competitive slightly more teeth than it looks teeth get it monsters game and i'm excited for it it's my number 14 and it's sean's number six and it's called the veil of eternity my number five and it's time to get into one of my favourite things to talk about on the approach to Essen and that's looping games I always say that their idea of having these small box 19 some year games is a bad idea and they always sell out so carry on ignoring me this time they've brought out 1902 Melies Georges Melies, the director of the first sci-fi film The Moon with the Rocket in the Eye this game is designed by Eloy Pujadas and Ferran Renayas we are assistant directors to melies and it's a worker placement game and we are looking to get the right scenes get the right actors touch up the photograms i only learned what photogram was this week from my daughter who's doing art touch up the photograms basically assist and bring together the film and do all the stuff get everything that needs to be in place in place for it to be shot and the film to be made. It's got a very cool look. Where lots of the cars have got like celluloid. The frames down the side you know, with the gaps. Where they'll be caught for the real. And looping games are just building up. A real track record of successful Euros. In these tiny boxes. And I love the theme. And I love the approach. And I love the look. And it became my number 5. I'm most excited for game for Essen. Sean's number 5 is called Gin. D-J-I-N-N Jin Benjamin Schwer. it's from Hall Games and Pegasus it's played on an abstract grid of a city and that's how you're going to choose your actions and there are six different actions within the game there are 12 spaces six of the spaces are basic the other six are the same actions they're more powerful but they're guarded by these Jin. and you're looking to mostly collect these djinn for points during the game and the way you need to do that is to build up your own magical ability you're you're a catcher of spirits a returner of of the normal to the occult and each time when you move to a space you've got two spaces from there that you can move to afterwards so you're having to plan ahead and look and see where you want to go and what actions you want to take and you can look ahead you're going to gather resources you're going to build up you're going to score points for doing it I couldn't penetrate very easily what the catch was on this euro above others other than and it's a big catch and i didn't realize it till afterwards this is by the designer of crown of emara which was another 90 minute euro which was fantastic had easy actions but very tough decisions to make and that was enough to make it sean's number five on this list and to be honest if i'd realized that it may have gone up on my list as well because as you do people mention other games you start looking into them you go oh i hadn't noticed that crowd of amara is enough for me to now pay attention to Jin, and it's sean's number five our last crossover between the two of us we've Both had Evacuation as our number four games. By Vladimir Suki, Delicious Games, his own company where he brings out one euro every single year. And in this one, the whole concept is that we are a civilization on one planet, but that planet is dying. And we've got four years to get as much stuff built on another new planet as we can. We're looking to populate the new planet, build infrastructure there, choose which resources we want to do, we have to give people a reason to get this, we have to build stadiums which is a bit of a weird thematic twist like this is a race for the whole survival of our culture but we're building stadiums as one of the priorities, I don't know anyway and there's a balance between you start off producing lots of things on the old world but you can only use them on the old world and then you're going to have to sort of shift yourself across the new world but whatever you produce on the new world can only be used on the new world, now the game has got several different ways in which it can be played. The first way, and the way that they suggest you do, is a race in which you're looking to build up your populace on your new world, you're looking to build up your stadiums on the new world, and then you're looking to evacuate a certain number of people. And once someone's done that, it triggers the end of the game. And then we're going to look at scoring, which is a very Knitzia style scoring. In that, there are three different types of resources you can produce your lowest production on the new world is your starting score that then gets adjusted by certain things you have or have not done built stadiums again i don't know how many people you've evacuated from the old world various things and they'll go up and down and eventually you will have and the best lowest of your resource production on the new world is going to win the game that's how you're suggested to play it. <laughs> it then goes on. There's one where you just play a straight up four rounds We you know the game better. Then there's advanced cards you can bring in and then there's a couple of other ways of playing. So I think as you get to learn the game, there might be ways to manipulate how you play. It's got lots of excitement. The idea of the dual resource system, when to commit to moving over, when not to. It's only over four rounds and to be honest, me and Vladimir Sugi so don't always match up together. Sometimes I feel like he's got great ideas that constricted a little. But it's all good. I think he wants to play his games in a certain way sometimes. I think that's what I feel. Yet, I shouldn't be being negative. This is our number four. I'm very excited to try it. It's a big Euro. It's a big experience. It's got unique ideas, (laughs) including stadiums. And uh, it's both of us, number four, excited. Good. My number three is called Sea Dragons. It's from Yaneth Kahana, Simone Luciani again, and Pinny Shaktar, and it's from Fractal Juegos. This is a spatial abstract game that looks absolutely lovely. In which, on your turn, you're going to play a card that has a polyomino pattern on it. And you're going to place your dragons on a grid according to that polyomino pattern. You must touch the middle of the board or dragons you've already placed or just dragons that your opponent has placed. And where you place, you might be able to pick up certain things that are on the board you cover a space, you get bonuses. However, you're very much looking to create opportunities to block out your opponents because there's a big area of majority scoring at the end of the game. And that's when you're going to score most of your points. It looks beautiful it looks quick playing it looks smooth it looks like it could be possibly very vicious which is something that can draw me to a game although my next choice is (laughs) completely the opposite of that but in this case i quite like the sound of that and i think it might be one of those quick playing hits that everyone can get into you can see what you're doing you can start stitching each other up and you can have a really good laugh so i've got very high hopes for sea dragons again very well received from initial plays I know it's coming back to me for missing because I've just got a photo. So I'm very excited to play Sea Dragons soon. Sean's number three is World Wonders. It's a Brazilian game from uh, designer Zemendez and from Meeple BR, Meeple Brazil. But now getting published by Arcane Wonders, which is not that big of a surprise because Tom Vassal went to Brazil and got very excited and had all of the Dice Tower review this. And they all reviewed it very well. And then it turns out in the Arcane Wonders Dice Tower Essentials line but that's cool because it's good games that they love that they want to share with the world. So that means that line is working. And certainly their review got me excited about World Wonders. It is an action point game in which you're spending your points to get tiles to reserve spaces on a board in order to build roads near to certain features which are already on the board, which will allow you to place down wonders because they need to be near things or on things or adjacent when they're placed. So, like They have their own spatial prerequisites before you can build them. There's a heap of wonders. There's way more than seven in this. They all have their own unique wooden piece or pieces for unique footprints. And the whole aspect of working out exactly how you put down these polyomino roads to put yourself in the right place to put these wonders down to score points is a fantastic spatial puzzle. I like action point systems. I know it's quite old-fashioned, but I do like them. And I am also very excited about World Wonders and would love to give it a go and it is Sean's number 3 game. Now my number 2 game I said is going to be the opposite to Vicious. It is Dorf Romantic Das Jewel. The two player version of Dorf Romantic from Michael Palm and Lucas Zach Dorf Romantic is based on the computer game. I think I'm pretty sure I've reviewed it before on here that we all loved it. It's very gentle and calm. The main game is a cooperative game you get tiles they're of different landscapes or they've got requirements and you're looking to put the right landscapes around the requirements in order to score points for fill goals and in the main game you unlock more and more goals that you can do In Jewel, you are building your own landscapes that you're drafting you still have the requirements you're still trying to build up you're still trying to score the most points there are some tiles in there you can add still romantic as extra sort of bonuses to try and go for there are various modes in which you can play Das Jewel. You can make it as well not as interactive as you like, because I think it's still pretty calm and gentle, but more interactive and more that you're taking things of each other. Or you can leave it as very gentle and you're just building up and you can pair at the end. Sometimes there's a place for a nice chill two-player game and dwarf Romantic Dash may well fit that bill in my collection. Sean's number two is absolutely one of the most buzzed about games going into this Essen. It is Nucleum. Simone Luciani again, David Texey. From board and dice and nucleum, if you haven't heard about it, it's set in alternate history 19th century Saxony in which nuclear power has been discovered. And it's a two and a half hour euro from those two designers, which means you're gonna know if you fancy playing this or not. It's gonna be combatastic. It's got individual tech trees and powers. It's going to have lots of different resources. It's going to have goals. You're building out a grid across the place and looking to develop different areas when you can supply them with this nuclear power. It's got a cool twist of a theme on it. It looks gorgeous. It's got really everything in a decently chunky, meaty Euro package you could possibly want. I can 100% see White Sean's number two. It isn't on my list, only that I'm sure I'm going to be able to get it in this country and I'm not going to Essence, so I don't need to rush to get it right now. But I absolutely want to give Nucleum a play. I understand all the buzz and I'm right on board for it. And it looks like it could be a big tasty treat coming out of this year's fair. On to our number ones. My number one is Jekyll and Hyde versus Scotland Yard from Gaetan Bojano, Olivier Cipierre and Johnil from Mandu Games. Jekyll versus Hyde was a competitive two-player trick-taking game which I absolutely adored and I've banged on about. Jekyll and Hyde vs Scotland Yard is a cooperative riff on that game. It's still trick-taking, it's still two-player, but in this case you have to work together to foil Scotland Yard and it is a campaign game with a story in which the challenge is going to change from game to game to game. Am I too fussed about the actual story not really am i very fussed about the fact that it's co-op two-player trick taking and there is a variety of challenges which you work your way through absolutely super excited about that i'd love to have me some of it and it is my number one request from Essen unfortunately I know that it was sold out on Thursday there's allegedly more stock coming in later on I know there's a beautiful man called Sean who's going to rush to that booth for me first thing Friday morning thank you Sean for your efforts I appreciate it do make sure and have some fun yourself by the way don't just be rushing around after me and other people but if I can get this great the reason it's my number one is that i had to order jekyll versus Hyde from france and then sort of print out the english rules so it wasn't easy to get over here i don't know if this will be after the hit of the first one this will be more available but because of that risk of it not being available i would really love to get my hands on it that's not twisting your arm by the way sean thank you for your efforts okay jekyll and hyde versus scotland yard my number one game for essen i would love to get my hands on for sean he's a raging cheat it's the White Castle from Isra C and Shield S from Devere Games. It's the follow up to Red Cathedral. Instead of St. Basil's Cathedral, this is Himeji Castle in Japan. Why is he a raging cheat? He's already played it. He got to play an advanced copy. <laughs> he absolutely loved it. Of course, it is his number one, as anticipated, because he really wants to get his hand on it. Pretty sure he's pre ordered it. He just adored his play of it now i'm not going to say anymore because sean will want to review this sometime soon as soon as we can get together and record why have i not got it on my 15 because i've already got it it's on order from the uk it's just turned up literally today on my doorstep it's just widely available so that's why i wouldn't be excited going to essen to get it because i've already got it i might excited to play the game 100 percent I was excited already because I love Red Cathedral and then Sean's high praise of it and other people's high praise of it have made me even more excited. So absolutely, White Castle looks like an amazing game. I just called Sean a cheat because he knew it was an amazing game. This wasn't a risk. He knew this straight away. So good choice as number one. So I hope you've enjoyed that quick rundown of the games that have got us most excited. I also hope that we can be back much much sooner than the last gap we've been through to give you some reviews of these games and other games we'll do our best thank you for your patience thank you for joining us whatever your interaction is with essen this year i hope you enjoy it be that ignoring it loving it there sad from afar like i am at the moment making plans to go next year like i am at the moment wherever it may be thank you very much for joining us on the game pit we are proud members of the dice tower network head to the dicetower.com for a ton of gaming content if you want to get a hold of us the game pit podcast at gmail.com or our guild and board game geek just look up the game pit podcast thank you everyone we'll catch you next time music by e aaron Boy, boy, running round the halls, boy.